Father, we come humbly before you. It is a privilege that we could be in your house today. I thank you that this one is open, that we could be here, that we have your word, that no one is uh, filtering what we say today or what we hear today. We're the only filters, Lord. I pray that you'll remove barriers that we have, that we can hear your word, we can focus today. I pray that you help us with distractions. I pray that you will be with me as I speak, God, that I'll speak the message that you have for your people. We praise you and we thank you for this morning, God. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so today today's a good word, okay? Um, I say a good word because this is one, uh, no one goes unscathed or untouched, okay? Sometimes the word is like, that, that was a good word, but that wasn't for me. But if you're a Christian and you are in the church of God, then there's something in here for you today, okay? All right, I'm waiting on the B. There we go. I can see what you see now, so it's kind of nice. Uh, we live in Surprise, so we're kind of like in a suburb, but we're right by near close to White Tank. So we can, there's fields all around us still. There's still some fields out there. And um, they bring in some amazing, huge tractors. You know, we go for walks at night, and the wheels are, like, taller than we are. And uh, just the science and the technology and all of it is pretty incredible. But it blows me away to see when they're planting a new crop, they go and they plant it, they harvest it, they plant it, harvest it, they'll bring in the bees. You know, all this technology, forget all that, we've got to bring in the bees first. And the bees got to do their work. And uh, bees are crazy little creatures, aren't they? Anybody in here deathly afraid of bees? Okay, so just hang with me, okay? You know he's cute, right? Actually, that would be a she, because the he's don't do that, okay? Um, you heard the phrase, busy as a bee, right? You know, bees are always out doing things, and we think of just a bee out there buzzing around, pollinating flowers, you know, birds are singing, spring is here, right? And the bees are busy at work. But there's a proverb you see right there. It says, one swallow will not make spring, as in the bird, nor one bee honey. Okay? Now listen, church, for the word that you're, you're going to hear in illustration from God's creation. Little bee is important out there running around, right? But that little bee doesn't do it by itself. Now, if you're a carpenter bee, we're not talking about those. They kind of hang alone and all. That's not our illustration today. We're talking about the honeybees. And when you see that bee outside in your backyard or whatever, that bee doesn't care about you. It's out on a mission, okay? So don't mess with it. Don't go screaming and running off. Maybe you remember this message. The bee is out there at work, but the bee alone, I don't care how busy it is, cannot do anything really, okay? That bee cannot make honey by itself, okay? So for a bee to make honey, it needs to be part of a colony, right? If you're visiting today, don't think this is just one of those churches. I'll get in the word. You just hold on. I want to give a hook. I want to get a hook in there with you, okay? The bee has to be a part of a colony, okay? So when you have a colony, you have a queen. She's the focus of everything, right? Go watch documentaries on bees. It'll freak you out, you know, how incredible they are. But also just kind of scary when they get the cameras in the hives and stuff. But you have uh, drone bees, which are male or female? Male, okay. Uh, they don't live very long, and they have one mission, but we won't talk about that. The rest are worker bees, and they are females. Isn't that something? That does sound like the church. You see the analogy we're creating here? <laughs> so, the fe- yeah, okay. so the females are doing everything in the hive. They're the worker bees. Okay? But these females, they have different roles. I don't know if they trade them out or not. Uh, Jen will correct me later with her science and all. But um, you have female bees, the worker bees. They're in their 
um, cleaning out the little areas that the baby's going to be dropped in. They're feeding the babies. They, they clean the hive. They are security. They stand outside the hive and they fight things off. When it gets too hot, they go get water and come in and they fan. And they do all this crazy stuff inside the hive. Okay, so they're busy at work as a colony. And then they go out and they gather pollen and nectar. And they bring it in and they make what? Honey, which we all, most people love, I guess. And it's a good biblical illustration too because a land flowing with milk and honey is a land that's blessed. The bees are there and they're at work. And they're all following the queen. Everything's about the queen. If the queen up and leaves, they all take off. Okay, so they go after the queen. And as they do this together in harmony, what do we, what do we end up with? We end up with the next slide. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work for me. We get a field full of flowers, right? And the bees are going out there gathering things and they're cross-pollinating. They're landing on these flowers and they're going to the other flowers. And isn't God incredible? God's incredible. So when the bees are doing what they're supposed to do, the hive is taken care of. They continue to go and go. They live, they die, they live to die. The colony keeps going, but they go out and the world is impacted by bees, right? So many things in the world that we eat depend upon bees. And so we depend upon bees, right? So when you see flowers out there and you're getting your honey at Walmart and all that stuff, you can thank the bees. But I want you to remember today as we go into this, no bee does it by himself or herself. You have to have a colony, and it has to work a certain way, okay? They even, when they're done with the drones, you know what the females do when the drones come back to get into the colony? They kick them out. Yeah, they, they take them, and they're like fighting them, and they're pushing them off, and they run them off. Because there's a, a plan in place for the colony, for it to function. It has to function as God designed, okay? They have to be in perfect harmony. And that's the message today for us from Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Um, this word, we'll get into perfect harmony. It could be perfect unity. But I don't think unities have an impact on us. We've had it, we said it so much. We, we talk about unity and it just kind of goes over us. You know, we have to be in unity, right? We can't be one little lone bee, a drone or a worker bee. We have to be in unity. We have to be in harmony. Okay? So when we're in harmony, we're in God's will. And things are happening, right? Things are happening. We've got a field full of flowers outside of the colony. There's blessings going on in the house and outside of the house, right? Okay, so hear this before we go further. This is a word for every one of you. If you call yourself a Christian, then this is for you. Okay. Now as a church, it's for all of us also. As a church. So I want you to listen to this and just take it and have an open mind and ask yourself what in this message applies to you. Because this is the kind of message it's easy to think about the person sitting to your left or right or your last church or the church you're checking out. You thinking about going to? You need to, you need to ask yourself, how does this apply to me? Okay. In my home, in the church, and as an individual. So this is not just an individual message. It is, but it's also a societal message for the church, for the colony. Okay? We've got to be fanning right now, keeping the temperature down. All right, so we're looking at Colossians uh, chapter 3. And we know when the, things are going well in a bee colony, good things happen. Things can go bad, too. Many things can go bad. And can things go bad in the church? Okay, so this is a really important word. We have made it through a lot at this point in history. I believe there's going to be great opportunity for division in 
our church, okay? Our church. And you may say, well, never by my mouth or by my hands, but there are so many controversial things out there right now. When you speak your opinion, your brother in Christ is bowing up and getting all mad. Your sister in Christ is getting mad. And we have to be very careful with all these current events and where we're going in history and what we're heading into that we do not let this church get divided because of our preferences and our opinions. Okay? That was that pause from the Holy Spirit. Okay, you said enough. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now imagine as we talk about this, I always want to focus on the youth, and I won't call them kids or young adults. I want them to know what they should expect out of church. And the church has an expectation out of them also. Adults, we need to own where we've got it wrong, and we need to get it back on track. But I'm telling you, I want the youth in here to hear what Paul said the church should look like. And they should expect that. We all should expect that. All right, so it starts off, if then. You could say since, but the understanding here is we are speaking, we are addressing right now Christians, people who have given their life to Christ. So if you haven't done that, I invite you to sit back and critique right now. Critique our church. Critique the church at large. Don't shout it out. This is a message for Christians. If you're a Christian, listen up. If you're not, you might have some, some ammunition you can go out to the church with where we, where we have owned it and we've earned it. Okay, so he said, if then you have been raised with Christ. Anybody in here been raised with Christ? Okay, if you have, then you should seek things that are above where Christ is seated, the right hand of God. We need to set our minds on the things that are above. He is putting it out there first off, okay? That means we need to get our minds off of some of the stuff down here, right? Now, you can't check out if you're a wife or a husband or a mom or a dad or whomever. You have responsibilities down here. But that's silly if we wanted to go after that train of thought, right? What Paul is saying, you've got to get your mind, church, off of what's going on down here, and we've got to get our mind on what's going on up there. Okay? We need to stop getting caught up in all this stuff down here, and we need to maneuver through it. And as we do it, we put Christ first, and we set our minds on the things that are above and the things that are eternal rather than the things down here that's not going to matter. There's some stuff a year ago that was a really big deal and mattered that doesn't really matter right now. Okay? So we need to get our minds off things down here. So think about a little bit where your mind has been at on things down here on earth lately. Be staring at me like I'm going to tell you. God is telling me right now you're my... The stuff that's been bugging you, okay, if you're a teenager. The things that your mind has been on, the things that keep you awake at night. Kids are still great. They can still sleep at night once they finally go to bed. Us adults will toss and turn over stuff, right? Isn't it crazy? Believing in the blood of Christ, but we can't sleep at night because things have got us so upset. We need to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are down here, okay? If you have died, if you have died, if you have died, okay, so I'm going to keep pounding on this one because 
This whole idea of going to church, I'm a Christian, I'm this or that, or well, praise the Lord, God will take care of it. You won't see it in my life. You won't see it in my actions or my faith in action, but praise the Lord. If you have died, brother and sister, person, if you've died in Christ, because that's what he's called us to, death in him. And it's a good thing too, it's not a bad thing. But if you've died, your life is now hidden in Christ with God. Now, amen on that one, right? We're setting it out there. All that stuff you did, all that foul stuff that people know you did and you know you did and you're embarrassed about and you wish you never did. When you come to Christ, it's hidden in him. So this is good stuff. This is, we got a house full of people who were sinners and sinned really well. And did some foul, horrible stuff that the accuser would like to, to slander us with, but he can't. Because all that stuff, all that junk is hidden in Christ. Yeah, a, amen. Okay, so we're setting the stage here of who we are in this building. I was lost, but I have now been found. You're hidden in Christ. And when Christ who is your life, hear that? That 401k, that car, that house, that retirement, that whatever it is you've been waiting on is not your life. And you're never going to find it when you wait on it. Because it will not fulfill you. Life is in Christ. He is our life. And when He appears, because He's going to. When he appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Well, amen. I'll take a breath on that one, right? He is going to come back, and we're going to be with him, and we're going to be in, in glory. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? So, shouldn't we act like it? Okay. Good stuff? All right, now just be thinking about the church today. What we have made the church, not just this church, the church. What the world sees in the church, what we do to the church. Because I see people that really love God, but sometimes people don't even take ownership of the church they're going to. It's, it's you all, your church, you're this, you're that. It's, where's we at in this? You know, this is where you're settling. This is the colony, right, worker bees? Oh, let's bring them bees back in, right? Okay, we're going to hit on that one a little bit more. All right, so our life is hidden with Christ. He's going to be coming back. And we're going to be appearing with him in glory. So here it goes. I'm going to deal with some hard stuff first and some good stuff. Verses 5 through 7. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you two once walked when you were living in them. All right, so all this stuff we talked about before is like, good check, yeah, woohoo, praise the Lord. So now let's get to work. And he's dealing with the individual right now. So this is a word for the individual, but also for the colony, for the church together. Okay? But as an individual, we need to get rid of these things. Now, some of you are like, I long since, I can't even do those things anymore. I'm too old. But he said, set your mind, right? Mind can go to all kinds of places, no matter how old or young you are. And it's very important. This is not the uptight church, so rigid. And, mm, you're so Puritan. Paul knows man. God knows man. God is revealing these things to Paul. And we've got to put aside sexual immorality. These are, this is all pretty much about sex in this passage. And I'm not going to talk about the drones, and I won't go on big on this. Okay? Because mom and dad have to explain some things when they get home. But he said you got to put this stuff to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, which is lust, okay? Evil desire, and covetousness, okay? The word used here for covetousness actually means greed. Greediness. 
It could be for money. It could be for something that someone else has. It's their security that you want, that you're coveting, and you want that car. You want that husband. You want those kids. You want that life. You want that position. And Paul said that's idolatry. Okay, so we come in here, and this is harder for young people, okay? God made us a certain way so that we procreate and we fill the earth, right? So we have hormones and all kinds of things. The world right now is saying, do what makes you happy in whatever way you want to. It's a free-for-all now. But in the church, we have to put to death these things. Now, inside a marriage, in a covenant relationship with another believer, it's a beautiful thing. Outside of marriage, you got to put these things to death. Okay, can't be out doing this. And in marriage, you can't be doing any of this on the side, on the sly either with the computer or whatever, right? Okay, it's, it's a serious word, isn't it? And then he goes on about covetousness also, which is idolatry. That's a big one now because I see what you have and I want it too. You know you got some things out there, don't you? Do you believe we've all got some stuff out there that you got that I want? Because I think it'll make me like you or one-up you or make me successful or make the world look at me. Do we? Do we do that? Yeah, and, we, and we're not supposed to. We should be happy with what we have. We can strive for things, but we spend a lot of time wasted in money going after something we think is going to make us happy, and, it, and it's not. You know, think about if you're older, the cars you've driven in your lifetime. That favorite car 20, 30 years ago is sitting out rusting in a junkyard right now with rats living in it. That was your ride at one time. And it's sitting in a junkyard right now. That's not eternal. So we need to move away from that. We need to put it to death, okay? Because the wrath of God is coming on account of these things, all right? Now, I want to pay attention to the wrath here. This is um, a, a, a word, orge, and I'm going to tell you why I'm letting you know this. In Greek, because it's the righteous anger of God towards sinful disobedience. All this stuff that's going on that's got our minds blown, we don't understand how people can do it and how the church... How the church can promote it. Do you guys promote all this stuff, this deviation that's going on right now in the world? That God's saying it, I mean, they're saying it's okay. Christians, it's okay. Lighten up. Come on, lighten up. You're so judgmental. We, we can't be doing this stuff. And the wrath of God is coming one day. Sometimes I do wonder, it's like, when God? Well, he is long-suffering and patient, isn't he? So we can't get seduced into these things. That's why I'm talking to young people. If you hear a church that's promoting this stuff, and saying, hey, go for it. That's, that's heretical. That's false teaching against God. And one day God is going to come back and he's going to deal with it. So we work hard in this church with the deacon board and the, the documents we keep saying who we are so that we're prepared when we're faced with situations like this that we go to the Bible to define marriage, to define gender, and all of these things. We want to be in God's will. Okay. Now, I know you like hearing that. You guys do like hearing that, and you get excited, and you'll pump your head, and you're like, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, and I am glad that you're glad to hear it. But we can't stop there, okay? So we got a solid foundation. It's the Word of God, and that's what we go to, and that's how we make decisions, and that's how we are as a church, how we decide what we'll be a part of and not a part of, okay? But it's going to continue on further than that. So we all walked in this. Any of you never walked in any of this stuff? We all walked in it. And he said, it's time... You put all this stuff aside. 
this is not a time to be playing with God or playing with the church, okay? You've got to put this stuff to death, okay? Now, Paul's going to get more specific. If you were saying that didn't really have anything to do with me, that world and all this terrible stuff that's going on, how about some of this? Verses 8 and 9. But now you must also put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. All right, so we're starting to blend a little bit now. This is the individual because you have to deal with this in your house. You have to deal with this at work, and we deal with it in the church. So this is on an individual level, but we're moving into a societal level. And I want you to start thinking about some things. If you are a hermit and you go live all the way by yourself, you don't have to worry too much about this until you get in the car and drive in traffic and try to go to stores and stuff, right? Okay. But if you are dead in Christ, as everybody was saying earlier, yeah, we're dead in Christ, put off the old self, put on the new self. If you're dead in Christ, don't be dead in here today, folks. Come on. <laughs> if you're dead in Christ, this stuff's got to go. Okay? So here's the big rub. You can say what you want to. You can claim what you want to. But if you are not involved in the colony, if you only come to the colony once a week, and there is no bee out there in the kingdom that only shows up once a week in the colony, if you're not involved in the colony in some way, you're not going to be tested in this. You're not going to be proven in this, okay? You will be getting angry and wrathful and lying to people and have a malice and slander. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you, we could sit there. If I was on that side and I was sitting out there hearing this message, I could sit there and think about, yeah. Yeah, well, I put a lot of that stuff to death. Well, you don't know until you're stuck with somebody doing something who you don't get along with. And that happens in the church a lot, doesn't it? Okay, but we have no excuse, do we? Because we're covered in the blood of Christ. I am a child of God, right? We all sang it. I am. You're not the only child. There's lots of children, and the children got to do stuff together. So if you're not doing stuff with the other children, you can sit on your laurels and self-righteousness and say, I don't do any of that. But come on down to the house. Come on into the colony and get to work and do some things with some people and find out when you get angry for what he just said or what she just said. And you're like, yo, you did not. <laughs> you know, and then you're going to want to act in the world. You're going to want to act in the flesh. I know how to fight in the flesh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't do that here. You don't do that in a colony. We fight to keep them out of the colony. So, all right. We're not supposed to be like angry bees running around trying to sting everybody, are we? You know, if a bee doesn't get its stinger caught, it can sting multiple times. That's how they do it with their bottom, right? Well, some Christians can sting too, can't they? Worse than a bee. A bee sting will just last for a little while. A Christian can sting you and it can last for a long time. So we want to get rid of these things. We don't want to come in here getting angry. Now stuff's going to happen if you come in here and you interact and you get in a home group or you come to prayer, you rub shoulders with somebody, you go out for coffee, you do something, you're not the lone drone out there. The lone drone only lives a month or less. Okay, if you're going to be in the colony, this is what church is about. You got to be with other Christians. 
okay? And you got to rub shoulders with them and you got to pull out your swords and because that's what's going to happen. That happens in the church. If you're here long enough, you all know it. If you've been in the church and you've done anything for God or tried to, you had opposition with somebody, okay? And some just walk away and go find a new colony. Yeah, good luck with that. Sometimes you're going to take it with you, right? So we can't be... Um, Getting all angry with each other. Now, we're going to get angry. There's righteous anger, and we deal with it, and we work through it. But you don't, you don't dig your heels in. In this colony, God's telling us, this is just for our house, because this is the house we're sitting in today. Don't bring your anger in here. Okay? Don't exhibit the anger in here. And I, I, this is for me, too. Okay? Because I used to be a really angry person. So, kids, are you hearing that? My, my girls, younger people. In church, people are not supposed to be angry. Sometimes Christians look really, really angry. There's things we can be angry about, but how do we express it and what do we do with it? We certainly don't treat each other with anger. And then we're not supposed to have wrath. Now, this is a different word. God's was a righteous anger, right, against sin. This is a word, thumosa. It's a state of intense displeasure. Well, I'm not wrathful. I'm just displeased with how this is going down. Based in some real or perceived wrong. Real or perceived wrong. Boy, I'm glad I'm married. Because my wife can help me understand which is real and which is perceived. Because I can deal with the perceived much faster. That's just in my head. I'm supposed to set my mind on things above, not things below. So we're not supposed to have wrath against each other. We are supposed to engage and talk and find out when you... I hate to bring this up, but when you said this on Tuesday, is this what you meant? Oh, okay, gosh, I thought you were angry with me and I was getting real angry with you. No, we don't say that, do we? So we don't have wrath against each other. How about malice? Malice is a, a legal term, right? Without malice. Now, malice is defined as wickedness, depravity, evil. Now, I think all of us would sit here and go like, yeah, no, I, I don't have any malice. Okay, but listen to this. Wearsby says, malice is an attitude or ill will toward a person. If we have malice toward a person, we are sad when he is successful and we rejoice when he has trouble. This is sinful. Have you been there before? I've been there where I, I was upset with somebody and then something good happens, you're like, mm. or something bad happens, you're like, oh. Have you been there before? Yeah, and we're tempted to go there when people in here make you angry and then you don't confront or or work through it you start to build up malice I will start to build up malice and then something will befall them out in the community in life and lo behold some sin has gotten into your heart and suddenly you're like what what happened oh we gotta pray for them hey did you hear what happened to so-and-so or they do really well and you're like mm, why do they get everything God so he's saying malice we're not to do this church we're not supposed to have malice in the colony, okay? Hey, 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 wake up. People are going to see me on the computer saying, this guy's a fool, but I don't care. I'm not doing this for the computer. I'm doing this for you. Yeah. Word of God, I'm going to help you to take it in because there might be a reason you're starting to doze. The enemy doesn't want you to hear this, or maybe you're the one that needs to hear it, okay? All right, we're not supposed to slander each other. Now, primarily slander is telling falsehood or lies against somebody. But we can slander also telling the truth, right? I know all about that. Because I have that propensity too. Where I can have anger and malice and slander. And slander in the church, boy, that's a clever way of getting back at somebody, right? 
I'm not going to confront them, but I'm going to go tell her, her, and him, and her, and, and just going on. And God's like, no, you need to knock it off and stop that. No slander, it's not allowed. Then obscene talk and lying. Okay? We all know what obscene talk is. You know, we're not supposed to be telling the jokes and doing the coarse things. And, you know, it's really hard with politics today to start having jokes about certain politicians and all. But we're not allowed to do that. I'm not going to dwell on that one. I'm assuming most of you are in a place of maturity that you're beyond that, the cussing Christian. But if you are the cussing Christian, it's not allowed in the colony. It's not allowed. Okay? And we're not to lie to each other. I was thinking about the lying um, church. Probably the, sometimes the lie would be saying more so you're going to do something. You're going to be there. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in. You're going to start seeing me now. I'm in. And then you're not. And you're not in. That's a lie, isn't it? But lies can run deeper than that. We can have all kinds of ways. Everybody knows what a lie is. But we're supposed to put off these old practices. We're supposed to put it off like taking off an old, dirty set of clothes. You take them off and you, you throw them aside. Verse 10 says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So this is pretty exciting to me. I think about this. In Christ, we get to put on a new self. We get to be the new the new you, the new me, the one he designed us to be. So we put all that stuff aside and we get renewed. Isn't it nice to be renewed? You know, but we're so busy trying to hold on to the old way with anger and malice and jealousy and slander and all that kind of stuff and we're not even hanging, we're flying around the colonies. Being busy as a bee. We're not being renewed. And we wonder why we're so dry. Why I'm so dry, God. Well, he's telling us that as we do these things, it's not works-based, it's only by the blood of Christ, but after you're covered in the blood of Christ, then you get renewed. That we're being renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. Okay, and you get it, we're being renewed. We're not renewed and it's done. We're being renewed, we're being invigorated, we're being strengthened, we're being energized. So as things get darker in the world, we don't have to start getting heavier and woe is me. We're like, I'm getting energized, I'm getting renewed, I'm getting invigorated. I want something new, God. I want to, I want to be, at this time, in this place, I want to be one of your men ready to go, God. Renewed, invigorated. Okay? And then we're being renewed in knowledge. So where do we get the knowledge of God? Epignosis, knowledge. Where do we get the knowledge of God from primarily? Okay, so Compass Bible Church, that's why a lot of people will come and check us out on the internet or whatever and come, because it's a Bible church. They're expecting to receive the Word of God, right? So um, is it enough for me to, to do my homework all week and hopefully present to you an honest, true Word to God and read it to you? Is this enough for you to sustain you, to grow in the knowledge of God? No. no. How are you going to grow in the knowledge of God? Okay, you've got to be reading the Bible. I have to be reading the Bible. And it's, I call it a perishable skill set. If you read the Bible through in 1988 and you haven't read it since, you're going to forget these things. And, and you're going to forget stuff. But the more you read the Bible, you'll read passages that you've read before and you're like, I never saw that before. It is the living Word of God. And we're going to get renewed as we study His Word. So, um, young Christians, that's why you need to read the Bible. Because you're going to be blessed with it. God is going to help form you into the man or woman he wants you to be. Adults, we got to continue reading it. We can't rely on other people or just podcast to do it for us. We need to be in the Word of God reading. Are you guys good? Are you getting renewed, invigorated? 
Not all of you are. One day I have a dream that we have a camera that goes this way and you'll be able to see yourselves like over here. (laughs) That would be fun. So we have the Word of God, we read the Word of God, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, right? The Holy Spirit is in us, so as we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word of God, and then helps us to apply it in our lives, helps us to put to death these things by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will help us. You're like, you don't understand. I got it so bad. I don't know how. Holy Spirit will help you with that. And you get a good man or woman alongside you to help you with that. Okay, women go to women, men go to men for counseling, right? And mentorship. So... You'll continue to grow in the words. We're studying the word and we apply it in the world. In our personal application, you've got to learn when to walk away from sin, right? But it's got to be Christians. Come and talk to me afterwards. You don't agree with this. I won't agree with you, but you can voice yourself. You have got to be, you don't know, you have not been tested. You can't grow until you come in here with other people, with other Christians. Lone Ranger Christians, you've, you're saved. I, I'm not saying you're not saved. But you are not going to blossom and grow and be who God designed you to be until you get in there with other Christians. You sit in that living room and you study the word and you talk and you share your stories. You go out to coffee with each other. Go out and evangelize. Do, do whatever it is you're doing, but you cannot. And here's from somebody who did it for many, many years, a long time ago. I was a Christian. I claimed Christ, but I was not with other believers. And big churches, big churches can do this, but it's a hard task. Okay, because a big church, I know it too, you can drift right in. The lights go down, you find your place. He's wrapping up, he's praying. Come on, kids, come on, come on, come on, come on. We went to a big church in Texas every Saturday night, and the parking was so bad, you're just in a hurry to get out so you could get out, you know. And when you're trying to get seven kids out, can't remember how many we had at that time. But we went there, it was good teaching, it was biblical, but we could go in, we could sit and hide in the shadows, and then we could leave. And people will do it even in here. You just pop in here once in a while, go fly over, check out a colony, see what's going on in there. Anything changed? You fly out, see you. A couple weeks, maybe. It won't work. It won't work. I'm not doubting your salvation, but I'm telling you, that is not a church. We've got to rethink this stuff. Do you, do you hear where my heart is at on this? I can come and go. I can have a heart attack and be gone tomorrow and you'll have a new pastoral search. That does not matter. But as a church, we do this together. Okay, we do it together. And hear me, if it's you, I'm not looking at anybody. If you have been trying to do a touch and go, it won't work. We don't know what's coming next. And you need us and we need you. Okay, the touch and go time It should have never been, but it's really over now. So if we're all together, we're being renewed, we're being sanctified, being made more in the image of Jesus, our creator. Okay, Verse 11. This is good too. Okay, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. I love the way he says it. Here, here, there is not. So what are we saying? Here there is not Caucasian, there is not Hispanic, there is not black, white, whatever. Now we celebrate our differences, but we do not divide in here. And we don't treat anybody different because their skin tone is lighter or darker than ours, right? Here there is not. Does the scripture say this? Okay. 
So this is where we listen. You're like, okay, I'm listening to you, Jim. I'm listening. Do you go out and talk differently than you do in here about people of different nationalities, different races? Do we, do we, do we talk differently? Your brother said, no, we don't. Yeah, we don't. And it's causing a lot of trouble. Look at the Asian American community right now. People are coming up and hitting the elderly and doing all things to them. I'm not, I, I don't even know why. And I would hope a Christian would never do that. But sometimes we can do that with our talk. And I know for a fact we can do it because I've been in those private conversations where we demean another people group just because of their race, their ethnicity, or where they're from. From Christians. Christians do it. Here there is not. Here in this colony, we aren't permitted or allowed to do this by our father. He said, you can't. Well, you don't know. Nope, not here. You can't. Because God said you can't. Well, that's a big deal to the pastor. His wife teaches immigrant children in, in Phoenix. Like, no, that has nothing to do with it. It's because God said so. Here, there is not. Don't you like that? Don't you know I can go in there and we're not going to do that? We're not going to do that. So there's no barbarian, which is really just a non-Greek or a foreigner. You know. And then a Scythian's even worse than a barbarian. So he's really covering all bases on that one. He said, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is in the white man. Christ is in the black man. Christ is in the Asian American. If they are in Christ. Okay. All right. So then he goes on. Here's now it's going to get some nice, good, good build you up stuff. Verse 12. He said, put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. All right. So my kids, you don't have to look at me. I'm not going to draw you out or tell bad stories about you, but... What you should be expecting when you go to youth groups somewhere, or if you go visit a church, you get older, you get married, and you're out there in different churches, or you come here, we should be expecting, we should know that we're coming around God's chosen ones. These people are special because God chose them. So these are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So you're beloved, and you're holy in Christ. And therefore, you should expect when you're in a church, you're in a church, giving people a chance to catch up. Compassionate hearts. That's a blessing we get. The more we come to church, the more we get in the Word of God and we let the Word of God penetrate us, our hearts will become compassionate instead of being hardened and mean. Hardened and mean because we've been in the world, some of you, a long time, and the world will harden you up and mean you up, Right? And we get compassionate hearts. And it's funny, the word hearts really isn't even about your heart here. Later we'll talk about heart. This is about your bowels. You know that the seat of the emotions is really down here. Isn't that true? He's saying you're going to get compassionate bowels. There should be kindness. We should be kind to each other in here. When someone rubs you and says something like she did not, we have to be kind. Now we don't ignore things. We deal with them. But we are to be kind in here. Right? I'm to be kind to you when you hijack me and get me like sometimes people do. I'm like, what was that? I got to be kind back to you. I don't want to be kind to people sometimes. Do you? No. But the Father said we have to. God said we've got to be kind. We have to be humble with each other. But I know more than you do. I've done more than you have. I could do what you do. I could do it better. Well, God didn't tell you you could. In this situation, she's doing that, or he's doing that. Or just because you make more money in here than somebody else. Doesn't matter in front of the Father. 
We're all children of God, holy and beloved. So we have to be humble before each other, and we have to be meek. Now, meek is just gentle. We need to be gentle with each other. And, oh, patient. Does your translation have that word? So we've got to be patient with each other. This is different than anywhere else in the world, right? I don't know any book club, any government association, any community council, any homeowners association. Certainly not, right? <laughs> Where you go and you expect this, and this is expected of you. This is wonderful. And that's why I want my kids to know that. I want you to model that for my children. I need to model that for my children, and they need to model it for us too, that this place is different because of God. Because what he said, and all of these things, he's going to help us with it. He said, now put on then. So you take off the old stuff. I'm talking about taking off clothes. Does that wake anybody up? <laughs> what? what? It's actual immorality. That was earlier. He said, take off the old stuff and put on this new stuff. Get this new garment. Jesus is standing there with something new for you. He goes, put, try this one on. You ever been one of them places where they're standing there? What size are you? They go look still. Come back. Hey, try this on. And you're coming out in those mirrors and you're like, yeah. He's got these new garments for us to put on. And the Holy Spirit, again, is going to help us because there is fruit of the Spirit. This is supernatural. This is stuff you can't even conjure up. You can't like, mm. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You go out the door over here and you're going to see it on the wall. And don't be asking who paid for that. Because somebody bought it at Ross and gave it to the church. Who said my tithe money could go to that? It didn't. But it's there when we walk out to remember as we're going out into the world. Holy Spirit's going to help us to be patient. I was never a very patient person. Were you? I don't know. 21 years in the military can either kill it or make you more patient. Certainly self-controlled. But we have to be patient with each other, and God's going to help us to do that. All right. So now we're getting in some good stuff. I'm watching the clock. You patient with me? Yes. Some of you have got a really good nap. You're going to have a good time this afternoon. <laughs> You are going to come alive. I am invigorated. Was it the word of God? No, I got a nap. 3.13 says, bearing with one another. You haven't heard nothing yet. This is where it gets heavy. Only through Christ. Bearing with one another and for, oh, forgiving each other, really? Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So bearing means <laughs> putting up with, enduring. We've got to put up with each other. If you don't, then you just go look for another church, right? And maybe you missed an opportunity to grow because God was trying to change something in you. Okay? You're never going to find a church, and I, you all know that. We're never going to find one that hits all the marks on everything. You just find the one that you're supposed to be at and contribute and grow together. Bearing with one another. So why would we bear with one another? Because there are things we don't like about each other. There's things we say. There's some things about the way I preach. I know some of you don't like. I wish he would not do that. This is not a comedy hour. I showed a video in here one time. I thought it was so funny. And it was applicable as a sermon illustration. Boy, I got jumped on that one. Somebody said, I feel that you were encouraging us to laugh at the very thing you told us not to do. Well, yeah, sort of. Why don't you see how silly we look when we do it? Okay, so I stand here before you. I know you got complaints against me, and some of you tell me or email me. I got some complaints against you too. We all do, don't we? 
It's just the truth. And that's why it's written. It's so funny. This was written to the church, the early church. We're like, oh, the early church. I want to be like an Acts church. Well, they're a lot like us. He said we're supposed to bear with each other. And whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as God forgave you, then you got to forgive them. I got to forgive them. Now, we work through it. There's danger in going, I forgive you. And then you don't deal with it, right? Because malice and slander are waiting over here to jump on your back, right? But we're supposed to forgive each other. Not get our way. Not win our point. Not make it happen. Come heck or high water, we'll make it happen. Sometimes you got to back off. Sometimes the other person doesn't have quite as good ideas as you do. But God's growing them. Because you've got to encourage them and let them have it and run with it. Is that not right? When you're in ministry, when you're a leader, if you're not a leader, some of this stuff won't go deep. If you've ever been a leader in church, you know this is all true. Okay? So if anyone's got a complaint against anyone, 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 Christ is all and in all, right? If anyone's got a complaint, we've got to work through it, and forgiveness is our goal. And above all these things, above all of it, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So there we are. There's a part about perfect harmony. I like the NASB. My brother went out and bought one just because I preached from it. And lo and behold, I preached from the ESV today. <laughs> but you know why I jumped ship? Because they're both good. They're both solid. But I wanted to use perfect harmony because I thought maybe that'd get your attention because unity would be like, yeah, we've been talking about unity a lot. Perfect harmony. We're, we're to put on love. Okay. Now, perfect harmony here is not perfect unity. It's not perfect harmony. It's just perfection. Teleotes, perfection, maturity, completeness. That's the goal here. Well, that little church in Youngtown, that, that little one, well, that's not much to look at. They can get a pass. God doesn't care as much for them as these other mega churches extending all across the valley, right? No, in this little place, the expectation God wants of us us, the colony, all of us together, is that we reach perfect harmony, maturity, and completeness. When we're doing that, no false teacher can come in here and divide us. No person with an ill motive can come in because we're like the bees on the front. You know, we're knocking them off. We're, no, no hornets allowed in here. Can't get in here because we are mature and we're putting on love. What a garment that looks like, right? We're putting on love and it's binding everything together. Just like you have, um, what is it, sinews and tendons and all this in your body that binds this to that. You know, you've seen those skeletons hanging on a rack where they got connectors and stuff because they don't have what God gave us to bind us together. But we're in Christ and he's binding us together in love. Love's binding us together. You know, this sounds so foreign. I, I believe I told my wife this morning and I mentioned to somebody else, what I'm preaching from today is not what the church looks like today. Our church included. It's not. You know, what people are looking for out of church, Lisa said she heard a story of some young college-age students that are presently going four churches all at the same time because probably one's got good worship, one has good, good preaching, one has good teaching, one has good fellowship. So they're hopping around to each one instead of planting it at one and, and being a part of making that happen. That's tough to do, isn't it? To stick it out and stay somewhere. But if we, if we put on love, it binds us all together. Okay? And then we have perfect harmony or perfect unity. In closing in, he says, verse 15 and 16, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now it is hard. It's not your bowels. It's cardia. It's your heart. 
to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We have one more verse after this. I want to break this one down a little bit. So, we are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. You are to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Jesus said his peace he leaves with us, his peace he gives us, right? It's already there. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. So we're to let that peace, it, it's already there waiting for us. Okay, it's in the, it has arrived, it's on your front doorstep. Amazon has delivered your package. All you got to do is open it now. The peace is there. We can find peace of Christ and let that rule in our hearts. And the word is, in this one, rule. It can be reign, which I kind of like that. Mike and I go back and forth. But it is like when you think of an umpire. Okay, an umpire calling the shots. So when you do something, it's like, strike! That was malice. It wasn't love. You know, you're ready. Boom, and you hit it. You're like, that was love. Run, run the bases. Love has ruled in your hearts. The umpire has called it. To which indeed you were called in one body. One body, which is the church, right? The Chinese church, the Iranian church, the Russian church, the church next door. We're all called in one body, the body of Christ. And he said, and, and be thankful. Be thankful. Now, we know we've got complaints. We're complaining. We're unthankful about this and unthankful about that. But he said, be thankful. What, can you say of anything you've got to be thankful about being here today? The Word? Okay, the Bible. We're thankful we can open the Bible. It's not against the law. We can open it, and we can spend time in it. Any of you thankful you got to sing? Okay. I am too. I'm thankful for air conditioning in Arizona. <laughs> I'm thankful for you guys. Thankful for each other. I'm so thankful that Roger let Ornon play the drums. <laughs> And some of you are not. <laughs> That's all right, or not, right? So we're to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. We, we want to, it's time. We made it through a rough year. We're in a new place. We're like a, a fish that got scaled, okay? We're like, ooh, feels different now, doesn't it? We're, it's, a good, it's a good thing. We can wake up. What is the church supposed to be like? What does God expect of me? Me. Well, he expects me to be rubbing shoulders with you and doing things together. And doing it in the right way with love, covering all, and being thankful. And letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Teaching and admonishing. All right. So teaching, we're all down with that, right? We've all been taught. Some, some of us taught classes. Admonishing is one I want to take just a second on because I have met far too many Christians that just love to admonish and rebuke. I'm going to have to rebuke you, brother. Let me admonish you. You know, that's not even a word we use anymore, is it? Admonish? But it's an important word. Do you know admonishing primarily too is it's warning each other. We're teaching each other and we're warning each other. So think about that. If you've got that tendency inside, you like to rebuke and you're going to admonish somebody. Scripture says there is times for that because admonish is to warn and it is to discipline somebody. Call into account, hey, what you're doing is against Scripture. You're not supposed to be doing that. But if, if you're geared towards wanting to correct everybody, check yourself. Pray about that. Ask God, okay? Because we, we, we don't need quality control. We all work together, and we go to the Word first, and the Word dwells richly inside of us, and we work with each other 
with each other. Because nobody's got um, a special place in the kingdom of God here on earth, right? Okay, we're not interpreting the Bible for everybody. So we work together and we work it out. And I'm telling you, one thing I love about this church is how we do with the deacon board and things come up and how we get a lot of minds together on things and wrestle through stuff. Okay, so we're to be thankful, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing each other. And then it's really, really great that Roger would love this one, that Paul took the time and said, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing is important. That's why so many fight if you don't understand, well, why are they singing at church? We can't be singing at church right now. It's dangerous. Because it's part of who we are in the body of Christ. We sing. God knows that he made us to express ourselves with music and song and word. So we sing and we're singing. And we're not just singing. We're singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So just singing doesn't cut the cheese. Okay, in the colony... And you can sing really good, too. I, I, I wonder if she heard me. They probably heard, Roger probably heard me and wants me to come up. <laughs> Lisa and I knew somebody up in a long, 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 long time ago in a land far, far away. This lady could not sing. She could not sing. You know what I'm talking about, right? She's a sister in Christ. Well, he's being mean. I can't believe he's saying this. No, she couldn't sing. She couldn't sing. If you got behind her, you knew that. And she would do it loud and I remember her to this day, and I'm blessed by her, because she did not care. She was singing from her heart. She had, a, she had a thankful heart that she was singing to God, and it wasn't pretty to my ears, but to God it was. So we need to remember when we're going to sing, you know, we want to sing about all that stuff. We're thankful about that God's done in our lives, and we want to sing, you know, sing with a thankful heart, not just drudge through it, not just trying to get it over with, Okay. With thankful hearts to God. And then finally he says in verse 17, our last verse, he just wraps it up right here. He goes, you know what, guys? You know what? Whatever you do, okay? Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Whatever you do, okay? As an individual in your household, at work, when you're out shopping, when you're out driving, whatever you do, in word or deed. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? I am not capable of carrying the load of that scripture by myself, but with the Holy Spirit and with you helping me, my wife helping polish off the sharp edges, my kids helping me, I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because he said he's given us peace, right? He's holding us together. And so we should be doing this in word or deed. So your word counts here. Your word is important. If you don't feel that your word's being heard, then make that known. Your deeds here are important. Our faith is known by our works, right? So there is no bee in the colony just sits over and sucks down the honey. That's some good honey. That was good. Did you like that? Yeah, that's some good honey. When are they going to make some more? Well, you get in there and make some honey. Let us taste your honey. The bees are all together making the honey. You don't have the one be out there by himself or herself, okay? Do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that's a task for us, isn't it? It's a task for us. What if I said, you know what? I feel the Holy Spirit tell me right now we need to go on to the next verse. Zip, zip, zip. You're already zipping up and closing shop. You're getting ready to go. He's five minutes over, isn't he? I'm just having some fun. 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, Roger, you want to come on up? When we do that, it's not just us that's going to have more color and beauty and fragrance. It's going to be out there, isn't it? If, if we can do this together, then we go out and we cross-pollinate. You know, we go out and we're fragrant and we make a difference and people see the difference and they want, I want some of that. I want to go, where's your colony at? I want to go to your colony. The most important thing is the kingdom of God. Okay, so let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for, I thank you God for your word that's is very direct today. And it's a, it's a good word in that there is some heavy stuff that you tell us we have to get rid of, but you also tell us you help us to get rid of it. And I thank you for that. And I pray whatever struggles we have together right now as individuals or as a church that you will help us. We will bring these things to the cross and cover us with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that you'll help us to have self-control in areas, to take off that old garment, help us to put on new garments, help us to see things new, with eyes that may have grown dim over the years being a Christian, where expectations have, have lessened, that our eyes have grown dim. Lord, let us have a new brightness, a new vision. Help us to hear your word, to see each other. Help us to realize, God, that we have, where we have bought into an idea or an ideal of church that is not your ideal, help us to course correct, God. I pray you help us. I pray that you empower every person in here right now, Father, as you search our hearts for the directions that you want to take us in as individuals and corporately. We, we praise you, God. We thank you for wake-up calls. We give you all the glory, and we seek you for the solutions and for the strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.